Gastroenteritis Blues. My name is Steve Lipman. I'm joined I'll be on by the Blues em- tonight. Mm-hmm. Joined by Emily Cannell, Dan Volpone, and Dan's friend Zach in the corner of the room. Say hi, I- Zach. That's it. Zip the lip from now on, Zachary. Um, I'm just kidding. You can do whatever you want. Um, uh, the Sixers are now eliminated from the playoffs as they lost game seven to the Atlanta Hawks at home. Um, I have to start with Emily, who is at the game. Um, this is going to be a hard question because as, as uh, listeners know, the three of us, along with Jordy, went to game five, which was a true horror show. So I think I know the answer to this, but which game felt worse in the moment? Game five, which the Sixers were up by 26 and then lost in hilarious fashion, or tonight, which was, of course, the deciding game? Um, Tonight, for sure. Yeah. Um, There are two factors to that. One is that, it, you know, it was a game seven loss. They're done. There's no more Sixers basketball till next season. We've got nothing. Like, listeners will just have to listen to us talk about The Bachelorette and other mm-hmm. garbage now. And then also, I was stone cold sober for this loss. So there was nothing to numb the pain. So that is another reason why this one hurt more. Um, But I think, you know, it probably hurt more for everyone. That's just my own personal. Definitely. Um, Dan, what is your reaction? Like, how are you you feeling during the game? Did it feel like a win for you, uh, for the Sixers as the game went on? No, it didn't. I mean, I, I, I wish I could say that you know, I'm shocked because we're the more talented team. And so I'm shocked we lost. We are the more talented team. I'm not shocked we lost. I think that we play with less heart the entire series. You know, this, uh, I, the, the Hawks were the mentally tougher team the whole series, which I don't say lightly. I don't think you've ever heard me say anything like that on this podcast. That's not something I like to bring up. I, that's not something I like to speculate about. But I think it was so abundantly clear. And, like, were we the more talented team? Of course. There's no question. But were we the better team? No. Because it's, it's not just about talent. It's about, you know, having your quote-unquote best players be able to even be on the floor in the fourth quarter. And it's about having, you know, the resources to allocate to rotation players who can do anything. And if you can't do that, then you better have stars who can. And we didn't have either. They were the deeper team. They were the team whose star, one star, we're supposed to have three. We had, we both had one star show up, but we're supposed to have three. They're only supposed to have one. All of their one showed up. One of our three did. It, no, I'm not. I'm not surprised. It felt like a loss the whole way, and we're obviously the more talented team. But I don't think we're the better team because the better team wins a seven-game series, and it felt like a loss the whole way because we didn't have it. 
We didn't have it. When you're relying on Seth Curry to win games, you're not the better team. It, it was a right. loss. It felt like a loss. So I feel like we should I should at least catch them up because we have basically been going twice a week with the podcast, whereas this week we did only once because um, we, we were together at Game 5, which well maybe we can talk about in the second half of the podcast after we get away with all of this misery, uh, for more misery. Um, but there were four games in between the last podcast and today. So the, the first game that from that uh, time period was Game 4. Joel didn't hit a shot in the second half. Uh, Simmons didn't do anything in the second half and also the whole game. And then Harris just didn't have it in the fourth quarter. Uh, game five, of course, we were there. Not fun. Blew a 26-point lead. And in the game four, they blew an 18-point lead. Uh, and then they won game six uh, fairly close. And then they lose tonight pretty close. Um, what I felt coming into this game was even if the Sixers win game seven, they should still be embarrassed because they took seven games to beat Atlanta after they led by nearly 20 points in both in two games in the series. And that's and the thing then, that's lost here. There's the Hawks. It's a, like, okay, so like entering the playoffs, Sixers got the one seed and they had the easiest path to the Eastern Conference Finals that they've had in any of our lifetimes. Um, like, it's unbelievable how easily they had it set up. And, like, sure, Trey Young is good. The Hawks should not be in a conversation with a contender. Like, Milwaukee, I think, is going to run through them because they're just better. Like, a team like Milwaukee, a team like Brooklyn, those teams are much better. And, like, the Sixers just weren't, you know? Um, uh, you know, we're obviously going to have to talk about Ben. We're going to have to talk about Doc. Uh, there's definitely some Tobias conversation, you know, just in terms of how, how much you need to rely on him. Um, but you just, like, you can't excuse it, you know? Like, Joel is giving it absolutely everything he possibly can. Like, I truly, he has petered out in a few of the fourth quarters. He's 280 pounds, and he has a torn meniscus. Like, I, I just can't, I know that, you know, of course, if anything, we're going to excuse Joel. And listen, tonight he didn't get it done. Like, you know, he had a bad turnover at the end of the game. He had too many turnovers overall. Like, um, that that was a bummer. You know, like, I wish that he had had, like, a like all-time Joel game. And he just didn't do it. And he was great for the majority of the series. And he was certainly good enough for them to have won the series. But uh, it didn't happen. And I think there are a lot of reasons why it didn't happen. But, um yeah, I mean, Emily, how do you look back at this series? Like, what in your mind stands out to you the most from, like, why the Sixers are now going home instead of the Eastern Conference Finals in a year that looked so much like it was set up for the Sixers to, at a minimum, play in the Eastern Conference Finals? I think the thing I'll, like, remember the most is these blown lead, the blown leads, like, this – Series should have been over in five, to be honest. Like, it didn't need to go six. It didn't need to go seven. All they literally had to do was, like, keep their foot on the gas and, like, not give up. Let, like, just, like, not let the Hawks do whatever they wanted. Um, so, it's just embarrassing, honestly. I also... I don't really, I don't know if you want to get into this yet, but I do think, and I think that the Sixers lost this series, the Hawks didn't win it. And I'll, but I'll also say 
that it's actually kind of like a Donovan Mitchell quote a little bit, but um, <laughs> I, the Hawks didn't opinion, win this series. series. They didn't win it. I mean, um, well, listen, I agree with you in that. No, yeah. In the comebacks, right, especially the one we were at, game five, I, I don't mean to like fully cut you off, just like mm. in game five, the Hawks were begging the Sixers to fully pull away throughout the fourth. They, they were not playing well yeah. until Lou came in, right? So I, I agree with you. Like, we gave it to them. They were begging us to pull away and go up three to one. And, or I'm sorry, go up three to two in that game five. And we didn't. They, they, they had no business winning the game. We handed it to them. Agreed. Um, and the other thing I'll say is that there was some truly horrendous officiating in this series. I don't want to, like, blame it on the refs. I'm not blaming it on the refs. The yeah. Sixers did not do what they needed to do, but there was some really, really bad officiating throughout the series, and it got, in my opinion, progressively worse as it went on. Uh, yeah, on one hand, I will say that, like, Trey games the refs. Like, he absolutely does That's why they're out. changing Lots the rules time. for him, because he's, like, messing the game up. But even on, like, these drives that he caught Thibault on a bunch of times, like, not just the when they're behind him, like... And how many times point, is Matisse going to foul a three-point shooter? Well, so it's like at a certain point you have to learn, uh, sure, maybe like by the rules, that's not an actual foul, but they're calling it as a foul. So like uh-huh. you have to abide by that. Like that's just what it is. Um, Dan shared here a quote from, because we can talk, we can talk like more granular about game seven itself. Um, from uh, Joel, he's doing his media availability and keep an eye on anything else that might come. That up. was, I think Emily shared that, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry, Emily, go for it. Read this. What? Which one? The Joel. Uh, oh, the one that says "Need Emily to read this on the pod." That one. That's it. <laughs> I did write that. It was. I thought <laughs> I it was important. He said, "I guess someone asked when what he thought the turning point in the game was, and said, I'll be honest." I thought the turning point was when we, I don't know how to say it, is when we had an open shot and we made one free throw. I mean, what are that's about? Like, that it feels pretty legit. And obviously what Joel, in case you're, you missed the game and you're just <laughs> listening for fun. You lucky um, people. <laughs> what, what he's obviously referencing is, I don't know how much time is left in the game, but Ben Simmons caught the ball underneath the rim, did not look at the rim, Dish it to Matisse Thibel, who's been terrible at shooting free throws for a while now. And he got fouled and he made one instead of probably an and one, which it would have been for Ben dunking it, which was just sort of emblematic of what Ben's series and sort of, uh, you know, seven games was like. Good. And like on that, like Matisse should hit his free throws, like, but like, that's obviously, and I not I know you're not saying this, but like that's not the problem that Matisse totally. hit one free throw. The problem totally. is that Ben does not shoot the ball any like he's like he's like the the yips at all times, like not just at the free throw line. Like anytime he sees the rim, it like terrifies him and he must pass the ball away. I don't understand it. It's so frustrating. Um, and this is like not I feel like this is new-ish. Like, all of the trade Ben for Harden, all that stuff, he was not doing this to that extent he's in the regular bad. season. The he's playoffs, he's bad. taken it to, no. like, a whole new level. And it's extra. I don't know what is going on. It's, like, truly extraordinary. I mean, listen, the worst Austin, way. 
I'll say this as someone who we disagreed on the whole Ben for Harden thing. And a big thing for me is that I, to some degree, feel like I always saw this coming. And we can get into this more later. I never felt Ben was suited for the playoffs. I felt Ben was a high floor, low ceiling guy for your team. That said, I agree with you in that he has never been this bad, ever, right? Like, I expected not a lot from Ben, right, in the playoffs. And I think that, you know, people who listen to this pod regularly will never accuse me of, you know, being pro-Ben ever. Um, there's – this is way worse than I could have imagined, right? And, and, and this is the Hawks, right? This is the Hawks team yeah. that – that will occasionally play Trey Young and Lou Williams at the same time, right? Like this is this is not some defense perfectly cut out to stop him. And so I completely agree with Emily in that this is worse than we've ever seen. This is, and it's not. It's partly the foul shooting. It's not just the foul shooting, although the foul shooting did make him unplayable down the stretch of multiple games. Um, I, I, I don't know what to say. It's this is unimaginably bad. So uh, we might as well just launch into the Ben conversation since we're here. Um, first of all, what you said about it's the Hawks. I think the Hawks are 18th in defense this year. Like this is not a playoff defense that's like totally rattling a great player. It's like if this was the Eastern Conference Finals and P.J. Tucker was checking him the whole game and he was struggling, like, sure, he's not independently a, a, a scorer, you know, so like it's just not going to happen. But the Hawks are not a good defensive team. Like – and, and, and the way that he was just so deferential to them and the free throw shooting is just like it completely fell off the cliff. Here's the thing. We talked like we talked about the yips and mental aspect of it, like all of this kind of stuff. Um, the only reason I sort of feel like that is inbounds for this conversation is because Ben literally said it's mental, you know, after uh, I forget which game. But after the game, they're asking about the free throws, which none of them will go in. And he said it's totally mental. Uh, and Doc, you know, corroborated the same thing. Um, we'll get to Doc later, but like Doc said in the Washington series, he just like sort of insulted the intelligence of the beat reporters who were talking to him about Ben's free throw shooting and about did you consider taking him out uh, when when Washington was hacking him and Ben wasn't making shots. Doc basically said like that's why you're a whatever, like uh, you know you can take Ben Simmons out of the game. We're not doing that. Well, now it's a Hawks series, and he starts taking him out of the game. And Doc completely changes course on this, and he says, when Ben makes him, we got to leave him in. When he doesn't, we can't. That's just the way it is. Like, okay, that wasn't the way it was. He didn't in any of the games, by the way. Like, he said, when he makes him, we got to leave him in. That didn't happen in any of these seven games. It was always, we got to take him out. Just a recap of what actually happened. Well, he also never made him, so... No, that's what I'm saying. He always had to take him out because he never made it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it was so clear that not only was the team terrified at some point of Ben shooting free throws, but Ben was terrified of shooting free throws, did not want the ball. Like, again, this is more of a doc. It's hard to separate the two, but, like, people talk about doc and not using him right. Like, Ben didn't fucking want the ball, okay? Like, you know, you could Even under two the- minutes, he didn't want the ball you could run up to the top of the key and grab the ball and do something with the ball if you want to, you know, like not every single set is a like called play. You know what I mean? Like they run sets, but a lot of times they just like go and get a bucket. And sometimes when Ben's out there with like George Hill, Dwight and whoever the fuck knows, like you can go ahead and do that. But he clearly didn't want the ball. 
he was as bad. I also thought his defense was not as good as the series went on. Like I thought that Trey Young started to figure out that matchup. Like in game five, I thought Ben got killed uh, by Trey in that in that game where Trey I think got uh, forty points and Ben was a total non-entity. Um, listen, this I, you know. Go ahead, Emma. I was just gonna say I thought the defense on Trey tonight was actually pretty good, but it also wasn't Ben <laughs> yeah, on him most right. of the time. It was like a lot of Tobias. Um, so I'm like a lot of Matisse and I thought that a lot of Trey's shots didn't fall, but like a lot of that was because I thought they played, they played him really well tonight. And then they just let Kevin Herter kill them. I don't, that's I another discussion. We were on Ben, but I was just, um, you know, so yes, you're right. I, by the way, <laughs> no, you are right. I mean, they played great defense tonight on Trey. I thought like Hill and Maxi and Tobias would switch except for the fucking one play where Tobias like deflects it and there's like five seconds left on the shot clock. Trey goes out to half court to get the ball and Tobias follows him out there. Like if Trey, you shot like 34% from three this year, let's follow him 40 feet from the basket and let him get the floater that he never misses. Perfect. Exactly. When you're Tobias and your foot speed is not even close to as fast as him. So like to, to, to run, I mean, obviously the split second thing and, and he's not Trey, the guy who guards Trey Young, but like, I would so just live with a 35 footer, like, cause I worry so much more. And, and this is really what killed him in a bunch of times was when he got into the paint, um, you know, from Tim Bontemps, Ben Simmons over the, over the final three games of the series, he had eight points in game five, six points in game six, five points in game seven. Like, I feel he like didn't take a he, shot in the fourth quarter in the final four games. I feel like the, um, Lots of Ben's biggest fans will say scoring doesn't matter. And like, don't worry about the scoring. Like, Hey, in the playoffs, when shit gets really hard, it does matter that you get enough points to win the game. And like, sometimes you need guys who usually score 11 to score 17, you know? And if sometimes you need the guy who uh, most of his assists, even though he's a great passer, most of his assists are just flipping it back to someone at the three point line. When a team is trying on defense, you need a guy to actually go get the shot for himself. That's the nature um, of basketball. We've seen this as long as I've watched in the playoffs. You know, it's a very fundamental thing that the Sixers' primary initiator did not want the ball and could not do anything with the ball in this series. And, and, and in that way, it's almost a miracle that it went fucking seven games. It's um, insane. It's insane. And I hate it um, so much. I want to read you just a few Simmons quotes, and then I want to go to Emily. Uh Soon said uh, after the game is from Kyle, we lost. It sucks. I am who I am. It is what it is. It's not easy to win. First thing I'm going to do is clear my mind and get my mental right. I just will say on a human level, like that sucks. I feel, I feel sad for him that like, he doesn't want to be bad. He doesn't want to fucking suck at free throws. Like that's a bummer. And I, I, I empathize with him on a human level as somebody who's a fan of the team. I'd like the team to succeed. So I'd like him to be off of it. Sorry. Um, uh, Simmons was asked whether there is something different with the playoffs that prevents him from being the same player as in the regular season. Nah, nah, I'm not going to let you say that we lost. It sucks. I am who I am. It is what it is. Uh, not easy to win and it shows you know he brought up that you know the nets just got bounced like you know winning is hard the nets lost last night it's like the nets, the nets had one and a half the players one of the quarter they won it right mm-hmm. i mean you know it, it's just not really and they the Sixers played the hawks emily um you know i think all season dan and i have been closer to the same place with ben 
um, in that, you know, sort of not being crazy about him and, and being disappointed at his stagnation on offense. You're, you're a bigger Ben fan and have been a bigger Ben fan. Like, what is this like for you and where do you end up today or tonight uh, on the whole Ben Simmons conversation? Um, well, like I said earlier, I think this playoffs is more than his offensive stagnation. It's like his offense jumped off a cliff and drowned more. So that is just, I'm, I'm done with it. Um, I do, like you said, I saw someone on Twitter, um, Jason Lipschitz, he works, he's a, you know, Sixers fan and he works for billboard, but he said like, I hope Ben Simmons is okay and avoids like all of the social media stuff. Like I'm very done with him as a Sixer. But, like, I don't know what he's going through. It seems like he's going through something, and I hope that works out for him. Like, as a person, very pro him being in a healthy mental state. Like, as a Sixer, very done and, like, trying to figure out how, what it will take to get him off our team and someone worth something on our team. Um, Somebody else compared it to, like, the Carson Wentz situation, which is just, like, for all parties, this is probably done. Like you, you could probably for Ben, it's better for him to be off his team for the Sixers. It's better for, you know, all of that. How many players though, are we going to like fucking ruin or be ruined here? Like it happened with Markel Fultz. It happened. These are like these number one picks that can only last like three years here before their mind gets messed up or their fake shoulder or whatever. And they need to go and have a change of scenery and be better there. I mean, I know Markel got hurt this year, but like, it honestly wouldn't surprise me if Ben goes somewhere else. And then he becomes like this, like, you know, perennial all NBA player, because like, I don't know what we do. Like, why does this happen? Like, why can't a player not develop here appropriately? No, I like, I understand your frustration, Emily. And like, it, it does seem almost impossible to believe we had the first pick two straight years and neither could shoot. And like, they're both going to be gone the by the time they're 25 years old. Like, no, that I, is miserable. I, and listen, I share the same frustration. I'm the not saying I, it's the wrong decision either. It's just no, it's frustrating. I know. But, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not like, I don't mean to interject to disagree with you at all. But all I want to say is, and I almost hate to do this because of all of the screw ups the Sixers have had over the last few years, but what more could be done for Ben? Right. I mean, Ben Ben didn't want to share the court with Jimmy. Ben wanted to be the primary initiator. So Ben was the primary primary initiator and everything went to shit because we didn't have a real guy to do it. And Ben, when he's not the primary initiator is clogging things up under the basket. And, and I, it's so frustrating because it'd be so easy if we could blame it all on the same thing. Like, it's like, okay, the Sixers are a disgrace, you know, Get, you know, get change out whoever is, um, you know, working on player development, whoever has ever done anything for a shot on the Sixers. Don't let them do it again. Right. But like Ben shot coaches his brother. It's not like the Sixers messed up Ben shot. Ben's lack of motivation to fix his shot messed up Ben shot. Fultz has some kind of either weird injury or Keith contends it's mental. When Keith has been on our pod, he said that. So I don't know what it is. You know, Ben has said it's mental for him as well. Maybe the Sixers are the common denominator. We have no way to know. But it's so frustrating that this is where we're at right now. And I don't I, – I wish I could see a way that we could say the Sixers are to blame. Let's change this. Let's switch this guy out. But I can't, I can't say that 
you know, this is the issue. I can't say that the Sixers were definitely the common denominator with these two guys. And this is why they have the issue shooting. Right. I wish I could, but I, I, I don't think that's the case. Like, not only can I not prove that that's the case, I don't even think it is. I think it's just awful luck. And, you know, we hate to give this team credit because they've screwed so many things up over the last few years. And, and we've talked about that like extensively, but what could the organization have done? It's just, it's so frustrating. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of the people on the other side of this argument, which I, you know, they're less and less by the day, obviously, but will complain about how the team is not built right around Ben. It's like the team is not built right about Ben because Ben is on a team with Joel Embiid, who's like second for MVP and like he matters worlds more than Ben. Like we're not playing five out or four out with Ben because like there's a, this other guy on the team who affects winning in a more large way. And like, by the way, Ben know, and no center lineups have sucked for like his entire career. They've been entire, a negative they've never single been good. year. We'll talk about that with doc, but like, um, yeah, they've never been good. Um, the thing with Ben is like, you just look around and you think, okay, from rookie year, what's he better at on offense? Like he's the lead initiator on a, contender like what's he better at it's like maybe ball handling sometimes like that's a problem that's a problem like look around the league look at like Jalen Brown or like you know all of these other guys that have just so vastly changed their games and added new layers and you know and and meanwhile Ben's situation in Philadelphia is one where he really needs to change that game around you know a top five player who who is a you know a backup uh, or is a back to the basket center so um you know we can close out on the Ben stuff you know Ben Simmons fourth quarter this series is from Tom Haberstroh he was two for two in the fourth quarter in game one he was one for one in the fourth quarter of game three in the other five games he did not attempt a shot um and again so he shot 100 percent in the fourth quarter for the series and you guys are going to trash Ben? Are you kidding right, casuals, me? You're going to blame Ben for shooting 100% in the fourth quarter? Oh, yeah. you guys, you guys do not know ball. Um, so I, uh, I don't know. You know, I guess we can wrap up the Ben. You know, obviously we're going to have to talk about Ben a lot. Uh, One quick from, thing. Yeah. I have a quick thing um, after your quick thing with Ben, but okay. mine's definitely stupider. So you go first. Ooh. Okay. I just wanted to say... Um, so we don't get anything ever on Twitter or anything. The whole, the quote that we read from Joel that was tweeted out was like a very, was, was a lot longer. And he like describes like a four possession, uh, like a four play sequence of events, like including his turnover and then trying to make something okay. happen. So like, it wasn't as directed at Ben as everything made it seem because like, obviously that part is like very clickbaity and fun. Um, so just to say that, there was more to it that he like talked about his turnover and all this stuff, just putting it out Good there. Call. Thank but you for the point. The point remains that. the same though, honestly, that like that play, people are going to oh. talk about that play of him just ignoring the rim and, and pass. Like it's incredible. Um, but yeah. Joel said more like Joel wasn't being as targeted as it seemed. Yeah. 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 So I was right. My thing is definitely way stupider. Um, <laughs> I said this to both of you guys when we were at game five. Um, here's my boomer take of the series. So you're Ben Simmons, right? 
Emily, what are you covering your heart for? You're not a boomer. You're 30. No, Joelle tweeted. Oh, okay. I know. I was going to say, I was like, I'm not insulting you over here. No, I just love him so much. No, No, me too. Um, But, and this is something that's all season long, right? But like, you know, you watch the Sixers, you go to the games, you watch the warmups, and you see the videos tweeted out even if you're not at the game. And Ben spends all of warmups taking corner threes, right? He spends all of warmups taking corner threes. We're in the middle of the playoffs. What the hell is he taking corner threes before the game for? We know he's not going to take them. I don't want him to take them, right? Yeah. I will watch the Bucs and Nets. And before the Sixers were out, I would have preferred the Bucs. And so I was rooting for the Bucs. Um, and Giannis is taking these stupid threes that he shouldn't take and can't make. And he makes them better than Ben, but he still can't make them. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing? This is a bad shot for you. Don't take it. Think the same about Ben, right? When Ben was 20, 21, wanted him to take him. We all did, right? Some people still want him to take him. I think they're wrong. I think he's doing the right thing by not taking him because he's 24, about to turn 25, and he obviously can't make him. It is what it is. Yeah, okay, he's doing the right thing by not taking him because he's horrible at them, but I don't think it's acceptable that he's so horrible at them. No, no, no. I, mean? I agree with you. It's not yeah. acceptable that he couldn't get better, right? And even if he couldn't, then get better at something else. But that's right, exactly, whatever. Yeah. That's whatever, right? But this is my boomer take of the day. Pre-game, you practice something you're going to do in the game. Ben, you practice your layups. Ben, you practice your passing. Do a dribbling drill with a coach. What the hell are you taking corner threes for when you're never going to take them? This is doesn't matter at all. It's really stupid, but it's my boomer take of the day. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just this is sort of where we're at. And uh, who, who knows what his value is? You know, like, because that's the other thing. The other thing about trading him when you absolutely need to, I don't think that that's going to be true, but trading him when you absolutely need to trade him, which they, I I, personally, I think they do. Like, I think if your best player is Joel Embiid, who's 27, and we've been there, you know, what, three times, the two of them, and they've been out in the second round each time, uh, and he's got a history of like back and leg injuries, like, He's not, he, he doesn't have time to like fuck around with more of the same. And I really think the, the results are in here, unfortunately, because they just played a team that's worse than them and lost because one of them couldn't play. And, um, you know, there are people on the other side of this thing that are pro Ben. Um, Dave Early works for Liberty Ballers. I think he's really good. Um, he's a super smart guy. Um, love Dave. And, disagree with yeah, him on this, but love Dave. Right. So we disagree with, you know, like Ben Dietrich is another guy who is, um, you know, a, a huge Ben guy. Like, I just think that if we, and we'll, we'll transition to Doc soon, but like, if we just, you know, call this a mulligan and say the coach was bad, it's like, why can't we also say that this guy who we watched for 82 games and then uh, whatever, 12 playoff games, who looks no different no different than he did rookie year. Like, why can't we demand more of him and demand more of the team? So anyway, who knows what they'll be able to get from for Ben. You know, people like Mark Stein and Zach Lowe talked about how executives have watched the playoffs this year. I wish they hadn't. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I, you know, my guess for this is that Daryl will do whatever he can to attach lots and lots of value to Ben to get the best player possible. Because, I, you know, a, a Ben straight up for another player thing probably isn't in the tier that keeps you as a contender or makes you a contender, 
with Joel in his prime. So I don't know. Quick, like, I don't want to get into it because I think we could do a whole podcast on like, who would you trade for, for Ben? And we but, definitely like, will. Yeah, yeah and we will. Yeah. But like something <laughs> like a, like a, like a Ben for CJ. Like, do you do it? Yes. Oh, do you think? Yeah, yes, I would do it. Like, the thing about that, though, is, like, I don't think CJ is the second best player on a championship team. And, you know, I think that maybe they would be better and better prepared for the playoffs. And, you know, at the end of the day, maybe you have to do it. Um, I would certainly ask for Robert Covington. I'll tell you that much. That is, um, like, my household's, like, wet dream trade, honestly. Oh, right, Jordy loves CJ. Jordy went to Lehigh, and Robert Covington is the second love of my life so yes but but honestly I think you bring him up and that's smart because I think that's probably the tier that you're looking at for like Ben alone Ben without a sweetener yeah which that's is like, probably the tier like I said love CJ but like damn he's a number one pick like it's just like it's like a dagger that like that's the tier of player that you get not, for Ben not only is he number one pick but like as recent as like last year I know that I was like earnestly talking about him as a top 20 guy and runner you know, up for I, defensive player of the year right you know and he so, played he played great defense but like yeah. you can't just play it's defense isn't enough. it funny though like like we i think we all kind of like we all hinted at this earlier like defensively like ben at his worst is still a good defender but ben was at his worst this series like ben was not impressive defensively in the series like game five was a disaster i think in the other games he was good not great like i'll, I'll even give him very good but not great, right? Really good, yeah, yeah. Right, I mean, but the thing is defensively, right, you can't have one really good game and six fine games, right? Like, Ben, Ben, no doubt, is a very good defender. Um, but I think, like, you know, there was a lot of Gobert slander, and it was probably deserved, right, the other day. And it's like, this is what we've been talking about. Like, I don't even want to get into perimeter defense versus interior defense. It's just like, in the playoffs, someone has to get you a bucket. Right. And more than one guy has to be able to do that because you can take one guy away with okay defenders in the playoffs. And, like, as much as, you know, defense matters, which it does, at a certain point, it's like, what defense can you give me on top of your scoring? And it's like, it's something we've hinted at all year. It's not like you can do one or the other, right? Anyone can find a Tony Allen for $5 million a year. We don't want that. That's not playable. Um, you know, we talk about the defense a lot and, um, you know, and, and you look at it in, in the context of game seven, like the Sixers met up 103 points today, and that's not much in today's NBA at all. You know, the problem was that they couldn't score enough, you know, like the Sixers shot 42% from the field and 32% from three. Um, the Hawks shot 44% and 25%. It's easy to look at it. You know, Kevin Herter, who's like abusing Seth Curry every time down the court. And honestly, you know, the problem with that is that Seth Curry should be less important to a contender. You're like, Seth Curry, don't blame him. Like, he is what he is. And he had like an incredible playoff shooting the ball. Like, the problem isn't Seth Curry. The problem is that he needs to play in crunch time. And, and a guy like Kevin Herter, who can just make a bunch of shots, can target him because he's tall. And because he's, he's five inches taller than So... Uh, wrapping up the Ben stuff from Dave McMenamin, he said with a with a minimum of seventy attempts, Ben Simmons' thirty four percent free throw shooting percentage is the worst in postseason NBA history. Um, 
you know, we'll see what happens. I, I would be shocked if he's on the team next year. I think it's a bummer because he really had some great moments, you know, and, and he was a, at a lot of times he was a fun guy to root for and, and the whole Ben and Joel thing, you know, I, I think that, uh, I think it's really tough. We can transition to Doc. I don't, this might be the third hour of the podcast. I, I've lost. I have a quick question. Uh, please. Should I do a thing this summer where I attempt to become greater than a 34% free throw shooter? And I, I will just, will record me shooting like a hundred free throws. And if I make like there more than 34 of them, then I like win a prize. Emily, I, love that. I have no doubt that without any practice, you could do that right now. I, I bought a <laughs> basketball at five below the other day. So like, I'm ready. Emily, your, your piece of crap, five below basketball and all. I have it's a regular z- basketball. It's not. Well, like, it's, if it was five dollars and below, it's not. But, but it's like way, a Spalding or whatever brand they use. I have zero doubt that you could do that with the wine you've had tonight. This second, <laughs> Maybe this I'll do second, it. you could make at least fifty. I am positive. I'll do it on my day off this week. I'll do like a time lapse video, and we'll see how many free throws I make. I would That's bet good. you at least making fifty or fifty-five. Be, There's uh, no way you make miss more than that. That'd be good content for the Patreon. So we'll uh-huh. make a note of that. You bet um, me, I'll go send you We video. love our Patreon. Mm-hmm. We can uh, transition to Doc Rivers, uh, who just in the, you know, leaving the context of the Simmons thing, Doc Rivers on whether he still believes Simmons can be a title winning point guard. I don't know the answer to that question right now. Um, I think we do, but uh, he's working on it. Um, this was a really I'm bad point guard, so we can start with that. This was a really, really, really bad series from Doc Rivers. It was like, again, we've talked about this. I'm not a blame the coach guy. Like, I, I think it's so easy in sports to just blame the coach and say rotations, but like, there were so many things, including Dwight Howard, who we love and would love to have in the podcast. Like, at a certain point, probably around like game four, it's like, oh no, he just can't play in the series. Like, this is not a Dwight series. Like. He looks bad. He's not providing the value they need. And like Simmons at center has never worked, but maybe it won't be that much of a minus. And you can, you know, get out and run a little bit more, like do something inventive, you know, with, with these lineups, like try something throughout the course of the series. And he never did. And he's very, you know, the whole rap about Doc coming into this was that he's very sticks to his rotations and his guys and, you know, I give him credit a little bit with Maxi and, and trusting the hot hand. And then, you know, the problem, I think, a lot of times is that the Sixers don't have a very good bench and the guys are either good or they're bad or they're, you know, like nobody consistent really on the bench. So Doc has to play them to find out who's good tonight. And, and that's just like, you know, like Shake Milton started the fourth quarter. Like, what the fuck? are we doing shake had been exiled before this and emily in our text chat like you made the point that just like play him earlier in the game before the fourth quarter when like everything matters you know under a microscope so this was really bad from from doc i mean he's had weird quotes all year and he's um we've talked about how it sounds like he signed an nda with clutch because he would never ever say a bad word about simmons and that seems to be out the window where you know he said, you know, he started taking him out in, in crunch time, you know, which I don't blame him for. You know, it's like when we talked about the hack of Ben thing, we all agreed that, like, leave him in the game, make one of two. Like, that's totally fine. Like, by the numbers, that's fine. Well, he stopped making one of two, and it was like, Jesus Christ, like, what the fuck are we doing? So, like, we've seen him get 
the free throws like going like that what the first like the old old not in the playoffs but like the Washington game when like they did it the first yeah. time like he's he's done it before where like he gets in a rhythm and then it's like oh you look stupid for doing this and it just went off the rails this year no and it's really it's not I, I will stand by that it's not a good strategy as long as somebody isn't having like an existential crisis with right the, the, thing, the one miss like say say he misses one it kills him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I like I do feel bad in a lot of ways because I'm like Steve said earlier. Like, I'm absolutely sympathetic for it, but like, has like, has he has he worked on this? Has he changed his free throw form? He hasn't, and so you know I feel horrible for him because it sucks to watch a guy go through that, right? But it's still a reality, right? Like, it sucks. I feel bad for him, but the reality is. When he missed one, he was scared to shoot them again. And that's why Doc had to pull him. Doc saw it. Ben admitted it. And, like, kudos for him to admitting it because it's a hard thing to admit to. But, like, I don't know I don't know what to say. Like, I feel bad for him, but it doesn't change the fact that it killed us. No, and, and, and like, this feels harsh, but, like, he could have prevented this. Like, free throws are something that is 100% in your control. It's like, muscle memory. If you want to revamp your shot, you can do that. Now, because he could prevent it, could have prevented this, I don't think that means we should be devoid of empathy for him because even when people, you know, like situations like this happen, you should still feel, you know, empathetic towards somebody. But um, it was absolutely within his control at some point in his career to get a handle on these free throws. Now, next year, he's going to shoot 85%. So, you know, for fucking Charlotte as Devontae Graham plays in the Sixers. But, um you know, just something to file away. I like uh, it. Doc, uh, Dan, how do you feel about Doc? Um, clearly, this was a bad series from him. Like, I sort of like, there was all this sort of pearl clutching in the Washington series about Doc, and I kept thinking, like, Doc just coaches to the one seed with, like, a roster that isn't the best roster in the East, and, like, I'm fine with Doc. Like, uh, you know, I'm much quicker to point at the players than I am to point at the coach, but it seemed like demonstrably, demonstrably there was a lot that he did wrong in this series. And I want to know what you think about him uh, leaving the playoffs. No, I mean, I think, like, you know, I'm also hesitant to blame the coach because, listen, I don't want to blame Doc more than I blame Brett, which was not a lot, right? Like, I thought it was time for a change with Brett. But at a certain point, right, like, the same problems exist as did under Brett. And Doc can only do so much to fix them. And those problems are the roster. Um, I would have done things differently than Doc, right? Like, I think I'm the biggest Dwight supporter you'll possibly find. And I and I would not have played him in, in the end of the series. I think it was pretty clear he couldn't. Um, and I say this as the Dwight guy. I wrote, you know, I think I'm the only Sixers blogger who wrote anything about how much they love Dwight <laughs> all season. And yeah. I do. I love Dwight. And I think that Dwight is a solid player. Um, who can play in the playoffs. I don't think he can play with this team on the playoffs, right? Like, I think there's something to be said of, like, you know, I was saying this earlier in the game to to Zach, who, again, is still here, and my dad, who we were watching together. And, like, they have a tough situation in that Ben is the only player on the floor who can make the passes that Dwight excels in. You know, Dwight open in the post, zip it to him, Dwight go up and dunk it. Right. Ben is also the only player on the floor or the team where those passes are not open. 
right? If Tobias was as good of a passer as Ben, Dwight could thrive. But they're in a situation where no one really can make Dwight the best he can be. And do I think that sucks as someone who really likes Dwight? Yes. And like, I think that that is a valid criticism of Ben, not to keep circling back to this, but like, you know, Ben is someone we hear constantly from his supporters is like, oh, he makes everyone around him better. Like BS. No, he does not. Right. That's, that's obviously crap. That's not true. He doesn't make everyone better. Um, That said, Ben is a million times better than Dwight. When Ben is at his worst, he's a million times better than Dwight. And I've been hard on Ben, right? But like, if it's not working and it wasn't, then take Dwight off, right? And so at that point, that is a fair criticism of Doc. And, you know, Ben has to be prioritized in comparison to Dwight, right? I think there's a clear, you know, order of how you prioritize things. I absolutely abhor that Joel Embiid has had to change his game to suit Ben, right? But if Dwight can't change his game to suit Ben, then you sit Dwight because Dwight is not Joel. Dwight is a million times worse than Ben, whereas Joel is way better. And it's so obvious to me. And if Ben, if, you know, Dwight can't do that, yes, it's a criticism of Ben, but as the coach, who cares, right? It's not your job to assign blame. It's your job to put the best lineup on the floor. So I do blame Doc for that. I think I love Dwight. He shouldn't have played. And, you know, he, he, Unfortunately, I was really hopeful that he would stop the dumb fouls. He couldn't. You know, I was hopeful that in the playoffs he would stop doing the dumb stuff he does. He didn't. Um, where no, I stand like on bullshit, they would, like the bullshit that we find so fun and endearing in the in the right. regular season, which we even talked about, and was like, "This is fun now. Legit, cut it out because this can like, right. screw you in a playoff game." And it, and I don't know. It didn't single handedly, but it certainly didn't help. No, I mean it, it sucks, and you know. Dwight had a lot of success on the championship team last year, right? Like Dwight has a ring and played real minutes and did a great job on Jokic, honestly, in the, in the conference finals. And, you know, as much as I think he can contribute in the playoffs, it's on the coach to realize that he couldn't contribute in the playoffs on this team. Right. That was so obvious for a while. Um, I don't believe in the Ben at five at all, but Doc should have tried it. That's one thing I will agree with Dave on. Right. It was worth a shot in the regular season to see if you could do it in the playoffs. Right. Like we saw it for very minimal stretches. It was a minus, but run it for a half. Let him try to work out the kinks, whatever. Um, where I stand on Doc, aside from anything related to Ben and Dwight, is that, you know, Doc has like, you could name so many weird stats that Doc has basically collapsed more than any coach ever in like numerous ways. And at a certain point, like he's the common denominator, right? Like he doesn't make the right adjustments. He's hesitant to make any adjustments. And like, I don't want to put it all on doc because it's not the roster is flawed and Brett dealt with something similar. And while I was fine with doc leaving and I, or with um, Brett leaving, and I think doc is a better coach. Ultimately you can't go all on either of them. And doc was not my first choice. And if he was on a one-year contract, I'd move on. He's not. He has four years left at, I think, around $8 million a year is the reported rumor of what his deal is, although it's not, like, public information. And if that wasn't – I mean, it's not my money, so I would move on. Obviously, we know Josh Harris is not going to do that. Um, and whatever. I mean, 
no no team is moving on from a coach who signed a five-year deal after one year who has won a championship right like that is not what's going to happen but the only the only tiny percentage chance that i could see them doing that right away is the the size of this disappointment after they got the path that they did combined with the fact that daryl did not hire him right daryl didn't he wouldn't have been daryl's first choice and one thing that frustrates me right is like he defended Ben all year, which like fine, right? Like public I like to think that internally, right? There was some kind of push for Ben do this, Ben do that, right? Publicly, we never saw that. That I'm not gonna speculate on what happened privately, other than that I'm positive it's not the same as the public image. But what we do know what was reported is that when it came time for Daryl looking to move Ben, and that's not even the right word, but Daryl looking for what we obviously needed in the series, which is someone who besides Joel who could go get a shot who could get others involved, right? I think we all need, and that Daryl went after multiple times, whether it was Harden, whether it was Lowry, right? This was reported over and over. Doc said no, right? I mean, this, is, this isn't this is a public thing. This isn't something that, yeah. Doc said in a press conference. You know, of course, Doc will say publicly, oh, I don't want to trade Ben. I love Ben. You have to, of course. But reports internally are that, are that Doc thought that he could win with this group, Right. Whereas we've seen this for four years that you can't, right? I'm not surprised that at this playoffs because the same, I'm surprised at exactly how bad it went, right? I, I picked us to sweep the Hawks. I did. Um, I'm obviously surprised it went this bad. But when it comes to what sunk us, ultimately, I'm not surprised at what sunk us. And from all the reporting, from people we trust, you know, um, I think Keith had it. You know, Newbeck may have had it. I forget exactly who who all had it, but all the reporting was that was that Doc was very against any kind of Ben for Harden thing, any kind of Ben for anyone thing. He had all these, you know, visions of of Ben, which I think a lot of people do, which don't match what he actually is. And ultimately, now we're at a spot where his value tanked. And I can't give Doc a full pass for that because he has influence. You know, Daryl might not have, you know, Daryl he might not have been Daryl's first choice, and Daryl didn't hire him. But I think Daryl respects him. You know, I think. Daryl's above him, but I think Daryl respects Doc as a coach. Doc yeah. is a championship. Daryl doesn't. And, like, I respect Doc for that, you know? I, I have a lot of respect for Doc, and I think that Doc did, in the regular season, an incredible job this year. I was really impressed with him. But it's just the same shit over and over again in the playoffs, and it's so frustrating. And and the same shit for the Sixers over and over again, and this is Doc's first season with the Sixers, but the same shit for Doc. Um. And I uh, forgot to include this from Derek Bodner, uh, Doc, after the game. He said, listen, this team last year got swept in the first round, and we had a chance to go to the Eastern Finals. I'm not going to make this into a negative year. It's like, loser. Like, like, Doc, Doc, like, I, I don't know if he's doing like a Tony Robbins thing, but like, just level with us and be like, this is absolutely not what we wanted to happen. And we're embarrassed and this sucks. Like there is no like moral victory in where the Sixers made it to having a chance to beat Atlanta to go to the, you know, come on. Uh, Emily, give me your thoughts on doc uh, as the season ends. Um, in regards to like his, his lineups, I was just so confused and I know that Joel is hurt. I know that he's playing on a torn meniscus. And I think even Steve, you tweeted this from the Liberty Ballers account about like, 
you didn't think that like the move was to play Joel the rest of the minutes, mm-hmm. but like you couldn't have played like some of them the rest of the minutes. Like I don't the lineups in the fourth quarter were just very weird. Like, I mean, if Kevin Durant can play two full games on his ACL or whatever, like we can't we can't play Joel twelve minutes. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I would it have changed the outcome? Did, did I don't play know. The but... whole fourth? Who, Joel? Yeah, because he ended up. I don't at think so. I think he came out for a little. I don't remember. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, there was a point of time in which he like exited the court to wipe his shoes off, and I thought he was coming out of the game, and I freaked out, and then he came back in. So maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But um, but your point is taken in that like. You know, he was at 41, should it be closer to 45 in a game like It's that. like, can we just play our starters? And obviously I would put, you know, Maxi Shake, uh, Matisse in for that Furcon spot because Furk obviously didn't have it tonight. Um, but the other, like, can we just not leave the other four in? And then, you, but then it's like, you run into the thing with Ben and you do this. And it's like, this is the reason why this roster is not constructed really to win a championship because there's all these like, very weird things and holes and that's not doc's fault but it's his job to figure out the lineups that work and he clearly didn't do it um that being said i don't think he'll be gone after this year i think you know they'll play like uh well you know this is a weird career low for ben simmons and we got rid of him and so we want to see what he does with this roster like i mean we did it with brett too we did that you know whole thing like well they only had jimmy for half a season let's see him with it the whole season and you know it doesn't change I don't know. They, I would keep Doc though. I think he's a decent coach, and also like, who it out there is, is would you rather have? I don't. I, I mean, I think that it was in it was impressive with Doc. Did. Like, <laughs> like personally, right? Like, and I think we'll get to this conversation later about like you know whether the season was a success or not. Um, and I honestly think I might be weirdly positive compared to you guys, but we'll see. Um, you know, I picked this team to be a six seed and I was wrong. I was way off. Um, they're the one seed in these, and I don't care how many guys were hurt on all the other teams and whatever luck the Sixers had, like his regular season was a success in a lot of ways. It was a failure in some ways and that they, I, they were basically the Bucs. You know, they didn't experiment with playoff lineups. Not the Bucs this year. The Bucs are finally in the conference finals. But the criticism of the Bucs in years past is that, like, you know, they're playing to win more than every game, more than they're playing to prepare for the playoffs. I think there was a lot of that with the Sixers. Um, and that's legit. Um, but they, I think, outperformed any reasonable expectations um i thought you know i if you told me before the season they'd be the one seed i thought that was ridiculous uh emily picked them to be the three seed emily the optimist of the group and um and i remember i was thinking about this and i was like i think that's a reasonable upside for this team um you know i think emily's pick is reasonable i can't see anything beyond that being reasonable and i was like so far off but like for for it to end like this really sucks but doc deserves credit for the regular season yeah, I mean, I, you know, it, we're very frustrated with Doc. I didn't think he had a good series at all. I think he was bad. But, like, I certainly don't think that he's, like, a cancer, that the team is just going to have to outlive, you know, like he's 
debilitating to their chances. I really don't think that's true. Like, I think if the team had a real primary or perimeter initiator, then things probably look a lot different. And, you know, like Simmons just completely, you know, crawling into a shell is like pretty unheard of. And, and you know, things could be a lot different if not for that. Um, you know, any other, you know, sort of, uh, Joel tweeted, you know, we love, Joel, Joel tweeted, uh, Philly, I love you. Sorry to disappoint you again. Just know that I gave you everything I had knowing the circumstances. If there's one thing I've learned being here, it's that toughness this city has, and that's why I played with the torn meniscus. So thank you for the support all year long. I mean, he's the guy. He's the best. It makes me want to cry. He's, you know, he's, he's the greatest. And that's why we need to, like, not fuck around and get him, like, a real running mate you know, to do this. And who knows if that's out there. I'm sure they're going to be working on it. Uh, we also, as we talk about Ben and, and Doc, like uh, Daryl did not get a stretch five that they could at least experiment with. Now, you know, Doc might have buried that person on the bench anyway, but like, you know, it would have been nice for him to find somebody with that skill set uh, to come to the team. And, and he didn't. So while we're on, too. while we're on Daryl, can we bring up uh, some, some tweets over the last few days. So <laughs> this is, here's a Daryl tweet low in a Twitter thread from right before this game is like our six. longest podcast ever. It deserves to be, first of all. Oh, God. This is right before game six, after the Sixers just blew that 26-point lead that we were all at and threw a tantrum belt. Uh, thankfully, not on this podcast, but together we absolutely did. Um, here's Daryl's tweet. After, you know, this is, I think, his first tweet after that game. I think curling may be the most strategically interesting game ever invented. Not only do you have to come up with great shot strategy, you have to execute it and factor in the likely probability distribution of being able to execute it or not. It is totally fascinating. What? What are you doing? And listen, I don't expect, he's not a fan, right? He runs a team, he has to be level-headed. But man, read the room. (laughs) <laughs> We're all reeling. You guys are underperforming. Read the room. And let's get into – let's not even blame Dara for all this because uh, Doc Rivers, who leads the league, and we – in saying things – I tweeted this the other day. Leads the league in saying things that you don't want your head coach to say, right? And we always joke, you know, before the – you know, before the games when people are hurt, oh, is Joel going to play today? Well, I, how would I know? <laughs> Man, you're the coach. This is his – his quote, this is from Tom Moore, but a lot of people, this one in particular, I'm reading from Tom Moore, before game six on the mood of the team. And they won game six, but they came out awful. Win the game, be aggressive, play. I think our guys are ready, but you never know. You never know. If you don't know, who knows? Like, might not why don't you right. know? <laughs> why don't you know? I just, it's so, the stuff that comes out of the faces of the franchise are so frustrating. What if what are they like, doing? What if just like, I'll be honest with you guys, they're not ready. You know, I'll be out there, I'll hold the clipboard, but these guys don't know what the fuck they're not doing. He might as well have said that. He might as well have said that. Um, there was right. a great doc moment tonight, though, when he, there were, I think it might have been on like a Maxi Fowler. Um, I think it was a Ben Fowl, actually. And Doc like leaned over on the scorer's table and just started like banging his fist and like kind of like tossing papers like he couldn't handle it. And I was just 
also I have so many discussions I want to get to and we just need to table them for like another time because this is running very late but like can we talk about challenging calls at some point oh yeah I was just thinking that I was just thinking that like part of the doc conversation is that he has absolutely no handle on when to challenge calls like and I get it partially because it's like there's bad calls in the second quarter but you're like God forbid we challenge a call now and then we need it in the fourth. Like, I feel like they should change it. So it's kind of like football. Like if you have a successful challenge, you don't lose your challenge. Like you get another one because otherwise people aren't going to use it. You're going to save it, but there's like plenty of bad calls that could swing the momentum in like the second quarter or something like that. And it's crazy. I agree. Um, I guess uh, there's two things left I want to do. One thing, maybe a few sentences from each of us on whether or not this is a successful season. Uh, and number two, a few thoughts from each of us on what it was like to meet each other in person, which I think would be a nice way to end the podcast. Um, I will start with, was this a successful season? It was not. They were the one seat. Like, if you walked into the season and said they got the one seat, you'd be like, wow, wonderful. But they lost in the second round. That's a failure. You know, like you have to improve at some point, and especially in the context of how things ended up, they failed miserably. Um, if Joel didn't have a torn meniscus, maybe he plays even better. Maybe it's a different thing. Lots of teams around the league are dealing with, you know, lots of shit. So um, I think it was a failure, and I think that they need to treat it as such when they look at the, the roster and the and the team going forward. Dan, what do you say? So. I think on one hand, it ended like as miserably as possible. Um, it was the Hawks, a team we should have beaten. And the Nets had already lost. The Bucs looked like frauds. I'll say it. You know, we're frauds. We're 100% frauds. The Bucs look like frauds, too. Who knows what happens when the frauds meet? Um, Our you know, LeBron... is a fraud. And, and that kid's girlfriend. <laughs> oh, my. Mark's girlfriend and the yeah. Corgi. Both frauds. Um <laughs> Oh my God. I love going to the game with you guys. Um, the, and in the West, right? Like Kawhi's hurt. The Lakers are out. Like everything is so wide open. So in that sense, it does feel like we wasted a shot. That's a, um, that said, I'm going to say the season was a success. Um, no one's going to agree with me on this. This is, um, and it's so weird for me to be the one who says this was a success. Um, mm-hmm. because I'm like the group pessimist, obviously. It's like in a show when somebody who you don't expect to be the killer actually killed the person. This is what that's like. So here's why I think it was a success. Um, I never thought we were contenders this year. Um, when we got the one seed, I still didn't think we were anywhere close to the best team. Although I think you couldn't deny with our path and our home court advantage that we were a contender. I thought we were very far from the best team. Um, that said, um, this is the first year we've ever been absolutely sure that Joel can be that guy. Joel is that guy, right? And we know that he has taken the leap, and I'm confident that, you know, if he is healthy, he will sustain it. Um, I think the fashion in which we went down, as miserable as it was, has made the path um, to, you know, building the right team next year, which, again, I thought we were always a year away so abundantly clear that there's no dancing around it, right? We don't have a point guard. We need a point guard. Um, 
And I don't even mean this in a trade Ben way, although I am very low on Ben right now. And I don't think he could possibly be as bad as he was this year, next year. Um, but I think that in some sense, like at his best, he's still not a guard. Like he is a forward and, you know, he's a talented forward who can dribble, but he's not a guard. And you need a guy who can settle the game down, who can, you know, Ben is great at, ca- I was talking about this with Daniel Olinger on, in, on the DMs the other day. Um, Ben is great at capitalizing on, you know, advantages that the Sixers get. You know, Ben is so good at like, oh, there's a guy open across the court. Let me kick it to him. The, the passes, guys, a lot of guys can't make. Um, and you see it in the regular season, and it's huge. In the playoffs, those aren't really there. Defenses lock in. Even bad defenses like the Hawks lock in. Those aren't there. And Ben can't create. Ben is not getting anyone open. He's capitalizing on when guys are open, and they're not in the playoffs. And it's so clear that that's the case. Um, it was abundantly clear this series. You know, for all his weaknesses, he didn't want the ball. I also feel like, you know, the assists will add up because he brings the ball down the court every damn time. And eventually guys will shoot after he passes it. But he was not getting guys open. Um, And we need that. I think it's clear we need that. And there's no denying we need that. So I think in a certain way, Joel is that guy. We have the assets to go get that second guy. Um, Tobias took a big step forward, although he missed a million layups today and I thought generally had a bad series. Um, he is not the lost cause we thought he was coming into this year. Um, no, and he should, he should be your third option, you know, right. Like, and so he can't be the second guy, right? And so good, I don't know what but, Ben's yeah. value is. I don't want to speculate on that now. I need some time to think on it. But I think it is a success that, you know, we showed that we have a number one guy a borderline MVP guy, which we didn't honestly didn't have before. Joel was not this good before. And we always knew he could be. Now he is. So here's some reason for optimism. We have that. Tobias looks like he could be a, th- a third guy. And there's no reason to try to like, oh my God, we were talking about like how many picks will it take to get off of Tobias, right? Like we don't need to have that conversation. Tobias looks like he can be the third guy. He's taking a step forward on both sides of the ball. Maxi looks legit. Um, Matisse looks legit. The bench generally sucks, but like, you know, some guys can give you a game here and there. Um, we need a guard. Like we're, I think we're, I'm not saying we're going to be the favorites, right? Like Brooklyn's going to bring everyone back and probably be healthier. And the Lakers are going to bring everyone back and be healthier. I'm not saying we're the favorite, but I think we were so clearly a piece away this year and we have a whole summer to get that piece. And if we're lucky, day masks out and we can throw Ben and four picks and three swaps at him, right? Like that's not likely. But, like, there's some reasons for hope. And we were all really hopeless after that loss last play Definitely. against the Celtics. Definitely. And so, in that respect, I want to keep things in some perspective and be a little optimistic and say, you know, I don't expect anyone to agree with me. And I may be a little bit delusional right now, but I'm going to call this a success. I'm going to say that I thought our title window was way shut. And now I don't think it is. You know, I think that. With the right moves, and I trust Daryl to make them, there's a chance. You know, there's a chance Joel gets a ring in Philly. And so, like, in that sense, I'm going to say it was a success. I thought you made some really good points there. Emily? I'll kind of split the difference, I guess. I'll say the regular season was a success and the playoffs were not. Um, We, like I said, like Dan said earlier, none of us expected them to get to the one seed. And then we had all this optimism going into the playoffs and we were kind of, they kind of did the same old Sixers-y thing in the playoffs. Um, And that was not great. They kind of just collapsed. And I don't know if it's 
lack of experience, if it's coaching, if it's Ben, if it's what it is. And we do this thing where we, you know, we love Joel and obviously we love Joel and we love, we loved Seth Curry this, this series. And then we kind of shit on everyone else. And I don't know, not, I don't know what I'm saying, but <laughs> it's just tough. Like it, I just kind of like feel for everyone else. Like what it must be like to be Ben who to like listen to everyone just like fawn over Joel. Like Joel has two points. Not that he ever did this, but like if Joel had two points, it's like, oh, it's a bad Joel game, but he's but he's Joel. And if with Ben, it's like he has to score like 45 points to for you to give him any praise. Um, and not you specifically, but the the colloquial you. I don't think I use that term right. Um, I mean I was walking out of Wells Fargo Center tonight and people were like stomping on Sixers jerseys. And I was like, this is so lame. Like you guys are take are like doing this and taking these videos for whatever. Throwing shit on the court. Yeah. So you can like be like get some likes on Twitter or like be aggregated and then whoever's jersey it is is gonna pick it up and take it to the dry cleaner so that they can wear it next season. Like it's just like garbage, like that kind of stuff. So I'm not, but the playoffs were a huge disappointment. The regular season, I think gives us a lot to look forward to and a lot, a little bit of optimism. And then if we can just figure out, I think shortening the rotation will help a lot in the playoffs. I think we need to like solidify that bench a little bit more where you have, you know, the sixth and seventh guy and then like an, or an eight, like a wing eight and then who comes in maybe like playing 11 in the playoffs is just not working when because no one is good enough to be that like solid six and seven guys so if we can like get that short up i think the bench (laughs) who could have thought you should do that i mean you should like Well, we, we even talked about this and we all disagreed on where you would cut it like their 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 bench is not like strong enough to have like a a solid cut mark line in it and so i think like shoring that up and tweaking the roster so yeah. it does have that could go a long way and hopefully they can figure that kind of stuff out and i mean i i think joel gets a ring in philly i think it happens i don't know when i don't know how long it's going to take but i Need think it. it happens and i mean that's what i'm gonna go to bed tonight with and keep to keep me from losing my mind because that'll be an all-timer um just to tease for next week because i know there's stuff from this week that we didn't get to and this podcast we could get to it but the all defense teams we'll talk about that we'll talk about the all nba teams which we are irate over um we'll talk about joel qualifying for the supermax um uh, a cool thing joel did for the city during the um during the whatever the 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 series playoffs? who cares yes playoffs this could have been called. like a four-hour podcast it should be we're not done oh we i could complain forever if i didn't have to pee and go to bed um and finally we'll talk about the celtics reacquiring al horford and having to trade the 16th pick in order to do so which is really great finally a palate cleanser thank you guys for hanging with us for this long if you're still with us game five we met in person for the very first time. I want to know what it was like for all of you. We met Jordy, who was a lovely man. We're all, I mean, I'll get Dan's opinion, but my opinion, love him. Great guy. Happy to meet him. He probably didn't like me, but that's fine. Um, 
and then we experienced this 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 horrible game together. It was so fun. We met uh, Zainab Javed during uh, halftime uh, in the concourse, and I said to her, because the Sixers were up by like eighteen, I said to her, you know, we might get some Mike Scott minutes tonight, and I'm a fucking nobody moron, and. Then we just sit there and I, I was looking at you guys as this happening and I was going, oh my God, they're going to lose. Like, because first it's like 18 and then it's 13 and then it's nine and the starters are coming back. It's like, oh my God, what are we seeing? So anyway, I love you guys. And I had a great time hanging out with you both. Um, and uh, any other takeaways from our in-person meeting and game five, Emily? Um, yeah, it was really fun. I had met Dan in person before, but never seen oh, right, right. And I, I said, me and Jordy were walking off the subway and I was like, I feel like I'm going on like a weird first date with like my husband and like these two guys I met on the <laughs> internet. It's kind of funny. Um, but we, it was so fun. We went to Xfinity. Um, Jordy does not hate either of you. He likes <laughs> both of you a lot. Love it. Um, Dan slept on my couch. Dan met Luna. I did. I met Luna. Steve should be jealous of that. I was so jealous because I drove to the game and I drove home. It was no fun. So, yeah. It's fine. I should have been less fun. And, (laughs) but yeah, I think that was very fun and we should hang out in person more. Agreed. Daniel. Yeah. Like awful game, right? Like, no matter what, I was going to be really happy that I got to see you guys in person. But you guys are both so damn funny in, like, opposite ways. And, like, as everything comes tumbling down, like, it sucks. But also I'm laughing so hard because Steve is making these wise-ass comments the entire time, which, like, I really relate to. And Emily is just, oh, oh. Yeah. Like, they haven't even they haven't even fully blown the lead yet. Like, we're still up eight. And Emily is just, like, screaming like not in a good way just like very upset and like i I wish you had heard me when shake came in today i know i texted (laughs) you but i literally screamed why god why and like everyone looked around at me like what is this girl's problem and i was just like do you not understand what's happening like i was like beside myself like i sat between the two of you guys and like nonstop, all I hear is Emily just screaming, which like I feel like I get it. Like I feel the same. And Steve making the comments that everyone hears every single week when we do this. But he makes them as the games go on, too, because he's like a stand up comedian and he's just he's just going. And it's it was it was like a silver lining to just an awful, awful game. Steve is just riffing, baby, you know, exactly. riffing, baby. I do think there's something so bonding about seeing a historic like Philadelphia loss together. And I think that, uh, you know, now we have to do the podcast forever. Um, All right. Coming up on an hour and a half. uh, Thank you guys for listening. The pictures are out, but we're just getting started. It is almost Um, 1 a.m. I just want to point that out. If anyone's listening, it's like they are a mess. It's it's almost 1 a.m. Can I say one more thing real quick? I'll make this a a quick mini rant instead of a full rant. I'm so sick of the coward BS. Everyone calling each other cowards on Twitter. I watch this team have no heart. You do it too. I don't call anyone cowards. If I do it, I do it sarcastically. Because the people, (laughs) people call each other cowards on the internet. 
because they don't believe in this team who, what, we saw four guys had heart in this series maybe, right? Like, I'm so sick of it. Get over yourself. You're not, you're not morally as a fan above anyone else. And I'm so sick of it. I'm sick of it. And you, you guys are cowards. I'm not scared of Brooklyn. You know, this is before Brooklyn even got hurt. You know what? You should be because your team just lost to the Hawks. You know, you're not a hero. You're not brave. Anyone can say that they're not scared. You know, it takes nothing to call people a coward because you know what? If the Sixers were to win this series, I would have been so damn happy. I wouldn't have, you know, and you all would have made fun of me. You would have made fun of me because I was less confident. But now that they lost, I'm not going back and making fun of you because I'm sad with you because I root for the team too. But it takes nothing to blindly say they're going to win. It takes nothing to say that you're not a hero no one is no one thinks you're brave no one's looking up to you it takes honestly it takes more guts to say you know what looking at this team and knowing ball i think they won't win i think they don't have it and it sucks but we have to do a podcast and we we get called cowards because you know we we have skepticism about this team that was frauds and we have to do a podcast every two weeks and we have to give our takes and we don't bring it up all the time. We enjoyed the regular season, right? We're not like, you know, being bummed out because, oh, like I think the Ben stuff's going to come up in the postseason. Like we're not doing that. Like we're not trying to ruin anyone's regular season, but it takes nothing. It takes no bravery because you're not going to get called out if you thought the Sixers would win and they didn't. Right? No one, I thought the Sixers would win the title last year and they said they lost in the first round. No one called me out. If they made a run this year, I would have gotten quote tweeted to oblivion. And it takes way, it takes way more to, to say, you know what, I don't think this team has it than to, than to just blindly say without thinking they're going to win. And I'm so sick of it because I want them to win. I do, but I didn't think they had it. And you know what? That's me being honest. And if you listen to this podcast for anything but the three of us being honest, which we all always are, the three of us are always honest, even when it's bad and when it's good. We give you our honest opinion. If you don't want that, then this is not the place for you. You can read some. Yeah, but still shit. download if you can hit download on the podcast. You hit the download, but listen. Yeah. If you don't want this, you can listen to some shit blog where all they do is say that the Sixers are the best, and when they lose in the second round, they shrug and they say, "Oh, it's okay. There's always next season." And that is not honest. That's not. That is just pandering. We don't do that, and it's way more cowardly to just give you that than to do what most people do, which is to say, hey, this is my opinion. This is how I'm rooting, but this is what I think will happen. And I'm so fed up with people calling each other cowards because they think this team where four people care, right? Here's the four people. You got Joel, Maxi, Seth, and I'll give you half a Tobias. I'll give you four, all right? That's who seemed to really care this series. They didn't make adjustments. They didn't play with heart. Those are the guys who care. All right. And to think that this team didn't quite have it is not that out there. It's not. And if you, all you want is for people, and I'm not trying to like ruin everyone's fun or ruin the vibes. It was a fun year for the most part. But if you can't accept some criticism of this team, if you can't accept, hey, I think other teams are better, then you don't want reality. You don't. You you just want you just want to be told that everything's great all the time. And I'm sorry, that's fine. I respect an optimist. I do. I wish I was more optimistic. Things would be more fun. But you can't demand that from everyone all the time. 
We give, we tell you what we think. We tell you how we see it. I'm so sick of this. Two things. One, that was a half rant. Just checking. That was a half rant. If I give the full rant of that, that would have been like half an hour. Got it. Um, I think you have a real point. I think that the, the cowards and no fear thing is just people like wanting to be optimistic. And those and, are the people who are scared. Oh, totally. Oh, of course. Of course. Totally. Like, cause a lot of times you're just convincing yourself that your favorite team has a chance to win a title when in reality, probably four teams every year have an actual chance. Um, anyway, the Sixers will not be winning the title this year as they are now out at the hands of the Atlanta Hawks. Um, you coward. I can't believe you're giving up on them right now. <laughs> I have Never a good not. suggestion for everyone. If you want to make yourself feel a little bit better, I suggest just for so all of the players that we like right now have been tweeting out like sad or like Joel's thing or Seth tweeted, Danny did. Just res- I've just been responding to all the Sixers players as like I'm a member of their team and how we are feeling and we'll get them later, like the trophy, like all of that. And it, I'm finding it very cathartic. So I would like to recommend that to the listeners. Just like respond to Danny. He said disappointed. I said us too, Danny. We're all disappointed. It's good advice. We'll get them later and down the road. It's good advice. I think so. um, We'll be back either with uh, some sort of midweek. Or Cole McCoward, either or. Or Cole McCoward. With some sort of midweek. It's now called Spotify Green Room. Um, You know what that means? We just got a pay bump. Um, Either that or or just a regular episode next Sunday. Oh. Um, What? You definitely have a midweek thing coming, right? We'll, we'll do no, one. I just didn't. Did like the Spotify people buy locker room? Yeah, Spotify bought locker. I think room. they did a while ago, um, but they just changed the name and also the pay bump thing's a lie. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, pay bump thing's definitely a lie. Um, it's uh, it's been rebranded, as they say. Okay. Um, all right. Good night to everyone. If you're listening to this the night that we uh, put it out there, it probably won't be out until no, like one thirty. We're the same. Huh? Damn, Let us started. know if you do. That would be crazy. That would be crazy. Um, and I think that's it. Um, what a season. Lot. It's going to be a crazy off season. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will be there with you every step of the way. Good luck tomorrow night on The Bachelorette. To all the gentlemen who are looking for love and to the ones who are not there for the right reasons, no thank you. Um, and to Carl, the motivational speaker, Get out. Don't like him. That's enough. People listened enough. Uh, I love you guys. Good to see you. Love you guys. Have a great night. I guess.